0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: We'll never change. I say.
0: Thank you for tuning in to energy awareness radio intuition we all have it do you use yours sometimes are you aware that intuition is a natural ability it is and if you're not accustomed to using yours you're really missing out on the opportunity that intuition your very own personal gps system provides so you're able to traverse your life more easily so stay tuned because you're going to learn a lot more This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a Reconnective Healing Practitioner and Certified Sound Therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. You just need to download the title that you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. A lifelong interest in the untapped powers of the mind led my guest, Colleen Morrow, to launch Intuition, a magazine for the higher potential of the mind, in 1988. Her 30 years of experience in magazine publishing includes work as a publisher, editor, advertising director, and circulation marketing consultant. Intuition explored the higher potential of the mind in the many and varied ways of knowing, intuition, inspiration, and telepathy providing both research and how-to information in an easy-to-read form for the general reader. Colleen is indeed an archaeologist of the spirit, as is evidenced in her new book, Spiritual Telepathy, Ancient Techniques to Access the Wisdom of Your Soul, where she unearths what varying traditions have taught about the nature of telepathy and how each of us can use that information for ourselves right now. Hello, Colleen. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being?
1: I'm fine. Thank you for having me.
0: Hmm. And so it's a pleasure. It, the book is very interesting, and it's it's so succinct and easy to read and simple to understand. And that's really important when people want to pick up a book and try to do something because nobody really, you know, adults learn differently than children, and we tend to throw things out that don't really serve us well. So this one is really good, because I think you've hit the nail on the head as far as reaching an audience that's wanting to get more information. What prompted you to write this book, Spiritual Telepathy, and and explain, if you would, what that exactly means?
1: Well, I had run uh, Intuition Magazine for about 12 years, and folded the magazine in 2001, And right after that, I started to study the ageless wisdom or mystery teachings, and I was immediately intrigued by the teaching on spiritual telepathy, because I could see that it was a more advanced level of the work that I had done with the magazine. What we did with the magazine is basic intuition, tapping into our internal knowing, and spiritual telepathy really is the next step, a more advanced form of spiritual perception, Some call it the higher correspondence to our personal intuition. Our personal intuition provides guidance about our day-to-day lives, but the soul knows our higher purpose and can help us understand the bigger picture. It's our divine partner, our highest and purest and most reliable source of direction and guidance. And spiritual telepathy is defined as communication from the subtle worlds, from our own souls or from higher beings. And when we practice spiritual telepathy, we have the ability to be in direct communication with our own souls at will. And communication from this level is always telepathic. We don't audibly hear the information, or at least most people don't. The information is dropped into our brains where it's interpreted and used, formed into words that we can understand.
0: And sometimes it's also, let me see if you agree with this, sometimes isn't it also when... Something is happening, and you just know. You have this gut feel. It's a knowing, and you just know, this is what I have to do. And you Mm -hmm. absolutely move forward and do it. And I think people do that and don't realize that they're accessing their intuition at that point. They're just saying, oh, I had a feeling. And for some reason, it kicks in, and it's a natural ability at specific times in your life, usually during levels of high excitement or even trauma. Uh, or or when the energy really just hits you and it's just that you're in the right place at the right time and and things are going in a way that you need to probably change things a little bit than you would have done and you just know this is the right thing to do, even if 20 other people say it's not the right thing to do and you just know it is. That falls in line with that too, does it not?
1: It does. It does. I think of that as kind of um, horizontal intuition, intuition Mm -hmm. that relates to our own personal lives, But spiritual telepathy is actually something higher. It's really that pure and direct contact with our souls. And a lot of what we did in the 90s with the intuition work with the magazine was getting people back in touch with that inner knowing. That got lost when we started to rely more on rational knowing. It was that gut feeling that you've just mentioned. It's another non-rational way of knowing that we had and started to discount as we began to rely more on the brain and the mind right which is the problem (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know you always want to go because your your
0: your heart and your gut knows more than your brain your brain is very logical but when it comes to following the true pursuits of one's soul really it's a heart-centered thing and that's what people need to try to feel into and your book provides both theory and practical guidance So the reader is given an opportunity to read and understand the theory behind what is coming as instruction on how to access their own soul, correct?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I really appreciated you stressing that it was easy to read because that was my intent. I took very esoteric, arcane information, and I made it understandable and easy to read. And I also put it into a context showing that this is a teaching that lies at the heart of all of our spiritual traditions, that it is, in fact, a universal teaching, which I think makes it more credible to that wider audience beyond the people that usually read esoteric books.
0: Well, and it's funny because... Yes, that's true. And it's funny because people will... They don't think of their intuition... And we come in with it. And we're probably using it from the time we're zero until we're however old and things start to be told to us that we have to believe and learn, and all of a sudden the intuition is put aside. It's it's like it's another, it is another sense, and we don't give it the credit that it's due that we give to taste and smell and sight and hearing and, you know, and touch. It, it is the sixth sense that for some reason, because it isn't tangible, I guess is the word. People dismiss it, even with little children when they say, oh, you're not, you know, of course you're not playing with an imaginary friend and, you know, and things like that. We take it away from the children. And then years later, people try to go back and figure out, well, how can I get back into my intuition and how I can better my life if I start to use that? Do you find that to be true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're saying can really be illustrated in the teaching on the three types of telepathy The lowest type of telepathy is instinctual or feeling-based telepathy. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. (coughs) And this is the kind of (coughs) telepathy that we share with the animal kingdom, and it's still used as a means of communication in indigenous cultures, and I have a little section about that, which I found very interesting. And the second, (coughs) excuse me, is mental or mind-to-mind telepathy, and the highest is the spiritual or soul-to-soul telepathy. And this teaching illustrates the progression of our perceptual abilities, from the instinct of early man to the intellect of modern man to the pure intuitive knowing of the future man. And we're right at that doorway where we can take that step beyond the physical into the subtle subtle and superhuman worlds. And I love this because it does show that step-by-step progression. And our gut feelings are the instinctual type of telepathy. And we lost that, as I said, when we started to focus more on the rational mind and a lot of what we did with the intuition work was helping people understand that they do have another non-rational way of knowing and to validate that.
0: Right. And it's non-rational, not irrational, as it's been given, <laughs> you know, which is the connotation sometimes. It's true, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and I think it's very interesting the way it's filtered into the culture. When I first started this in the 80s, it was still considered kind of a weird subject, even in San Francisco, you know, where anything goes.
0: It was right. considered
1: kind of out there, Right. And um, it, it had been sort of denigrated and, and passed off as women's intuition. You know, maybe yep. creative artists, you know, can get away with talking about it, but no prominent person would ever admit that they made a decision by anything other than rational means. And as I um, continued with the magazine and just to keep my ears open about what was happening in the culture, I thought it was very interesting that um, George Bush, for example, talked about being a gut player. You know, when he was interviewed, mm-hmm. and his um, Homeland Security person Michael Chertoff had a press conference where he said he had a gut feeling that we were going to be attacked. You know, no rational reason, but just a gut feeling. And I thought, wow, that's really significant because nobody would have done that, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. They would have been too embarrassed and hooted off the stage. But, you know, it's now become a very commonplace part of our culture. And when that happens, it's time to move to the next level. And I think spiritual telepathy is the next level.
0: Yes, and I think that. The fact that we've gone from irrational to non-rational is mm-hmm. a huge step right there. And you do mm-hmm. talk about us being on the brink of an evolutionary leap, one that is as I believe you said as profound as our emergence from animal to human.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so it, it it from animal to human, obviously huge evolutionary leap. But how so? Can is this going to be? It's human to human still, but well, we're not changing ourselves. But I mean, I guess. Can you explain? <laughs>
1: sure, sure. Um, we we go from um, animal to human and then from human to superhuman. And when we make contact this, with the soul, we're crossing the boundary from human to superhuman development. We're taking our first steps into the subtle worlds. We don't change our form, but our perceptual abilities move up a notch so that these subtle worlds become part of our human worlds. We're not just focused on the physical plane, but we have a reality beyond that.
0: Do you think that presently, in, in whether it's because of technology or it's just because people are more open to it, there are so many psychics and mediums out there who are good. They, mm-hmm. are, they are very good at what they do. Do you think that there are more now and that they're into that higher realm already because of timing? I mean, timing is everything. Why is all of this happening now?
1: Well, I think that there's a distinction between um, some mediums and the spiritual telepathy. A lot of what we call psychism or or mediumship really is from that um, feeling-based instinctive level. And that's not infallible. When we can make that direct contact with the soul, we get pure information from the soul to the brain. And that really is pure information. So, you know, I wouldn't call um, spiritual telepathy mediumship. In fact, if anything, it makes traditional mediumship obsolete because what we can do, we don't really need a middleman. We can use the mind as a search engine like Google, our own personal etheric Google that can search, you know, the higher realms, find information, and then just to have that information downloaded into our brains. We can go direct.
0: But some of these people, mediums, specifically, rather Mm -hmm. than psychics, I guess. Some of them, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're talking to people who have passed and bringing messages forward, and Mm -hmm. they have information that they can't, you know, they're tapping into something, and when they do an MRI on their brain, they see that a different part of their brain than anyone else's, and let's say a normal person, and I don't mean that in a bad way, I just mean somebody who's not, uh, has psychic or mediumship ability, it it fires up, and you can see it. I've seen it on an MRI, and it is amazing, because that part (laughs) of the brain usually doesn't fire up. So... They're probably accessing something that we, that you know, the layman doesn't have access to, nor knows how at this point in time to access, because they're getting information not for their own, from their own soul probably, but from other people's.
1: Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a real thing. But the point I'm making in the book is that we don't need a middleman. We can access those higher realms ourselves, and mm-hmm. it just takes training. It's something that and, each of us can do.
0: Right in time because mm-hmm. you have to really put the practice in in order to do it. And, and I believe that. I mean, everybody's got this ability. It's just how much you flex the muscle just like going to the gym. It's the same right. thing. You have to really want to do it. And, mm-hmm. and I think for some people it probably does come easier than others, just like some people love yoga and some people don't. Some people like weight training and some people don't. It's whatever you resonate with. It, right. it is It is fascinating, though, to, to see all of this coming about now. Uh, you know, at this point in time in history, it seems to be more prevalent than ever before.
1: Mhm. Mhm. I think that's true. I think that's true. And there's different levels of the practice, and you're right. It just depends on what level people are um, drawn to and how much energy and, and uh, commitment they're willing to put in. Because this building the bridge from the uh, lower mind or rational mind to the soul really is a discipline, and we do this through the daily practice of meditation. That's called a creative meditation. Mm-hmm. And most meditations. Um, focus on just quieting the mind in this type of meditation we go a step further and we actively train our minds to transmit information from the soul to the brain the information has to reach the brain to become part of our conscious awareness and it's in the same way that our homes are wired for telephone and internet connection this type of meditation allows us to create the threads and cables that will link us to the higher worlds and we create these cables by projecting our attention upward to the soul day after day we visualize the soul as a star about six inches above our head, and as we do this, we anchor small threads of energy that will eventually, thread by thread, form a symbolic bridge between the mind, the brain, and the soul. In the wisdom teachings, the bridge is called the rainbow bridge or the bridge of light. In the Hindu teachings, it's called the antahkarana, and in the New Testaments, it's called the straight or narrow gate, This teaching is across all cultures and all religions, and it is a discipline. In, in years past, it was considered a, a secret or special teaching only for those who were considered ready. And now it's really up to us. We have to decide if we want to do this and uh-huh. if we're willing to to take on this discipline because you really have to do it every day. And I struggled with the discipline like everybody does, and I talk about this in the book. Um, but. What I found and other people have told me this too is that if you stop for a few days it starts the energy starts to dissipate because it's a very subtle etheric energy that you're you're creating. And so it really is a daily discipline. It's not, you know, it's ten to twenty minutes a day. But it has to be done day by day.
0: Yes, and I agree because like anything, you absolutely have to do it every day or you will lose it. You know, you don't, it's not there anymore. And you did talk about creative meditation in your book, and it's funny because um, Einstein did that all the time. He would sit in his office at Princeton with a rock in his hand, and he would get into a meditative state because he knew that if he was in that state where he could create, and he, mm-hmm. and he spoke about that and said, this is where you create, this is where your inspired ideas come from, inventions come from, and he can solve problems so there's a lot of resolution of issues and things like that. And he would do it and if the rock fell out of his hand, of course, it would fall on the floor and it would wake him up and he knew, oh, it went to delta, fell asleep. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it'd start all over again. And a lot of people do meditate and they do try to, when people come into me and they're like, I just can't meditate, I, I tell them, you know, nobody can. I mean, the Dalai Lama can't, you know, not fully. If you're meditating to the point where you have nothing going on in your head, you're probably dead. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have. To, it's the awareness of coming back to where you are. So when you talk about creative meditation, when someone sits down to actually do that, it, would you explain to the listeners what you mean by actually putting it toward the creative part of meditation rather than the stillness of the mind and, and just becoming clear of thought?
1: Well, again, we're building a bridge. We're not just sitting there trying to quiet our mind. We're actually doing something. Um, active. And that's what I like about it. It's very scientific. And I found that if you do A and B, you're going to experience C sooner or later. Basically, you're training the mind to hold a focus of attention where you want it to go. So the mind becomes our master rather than our servant. It becomes a tool that we use to explore the subtle worlds. And we do this day by day by focusing on a seed thought. It's a thought or a sentence or a word that we uh, focus on and try to understand it at a, different, a, d- a deeper level. And so the, the idea is that we keep our mind focused where we want it to build where we want it to be. And it it creates this level of concentration day by day. So we can use the mind like a, a searchlight. It can be focused outward into the physical world, but we can also use it equally well uh focused upward into the subtle worlds.
0: Okay, and, and I think thinking I'm getting some questions from um some of the listeners, what exactly are the subtle worlds or the subtle realms that you speak about?
1: Well, there's um, in in all religions there's this concept of the seven levels. There's the three human levels, which are the physical, emotional, and mental, and then there's um, subtle worlds beyond that. And there's two additional two subtle worlds that really will become part of our human world through the evolutionary process. And one is the buddhic plane or the soul plane, and the other is the spiritual plane. So what we're doing now is essentially we're building a bridge from the mental plane which is the lower mental, which is the highest level of evolution that humans have attained so far. So we're And we, there's a gap between the lower mind and the soul. And so when I mentioned uh, building this bridge and extending our attention upward day by day, we're actually creating a pathway. We're making that connection between the brain, the mind, and the soul so that we have this ability to be there at will when the bridge is built.
0: Okay, you're saying at will, so you can actually draw on it anytime you want during the day without really, once you do this enough to be able to do this, correct?
1: Absolutely. You build it um, day by day, and once the bridge is built, people tell me that it's like pushing a button on a computer. The information Mm -hmm. just gets downloaded. In the New Testament, it says that we take heaven by storm, and I always wondered what that meant. You know, and in reading and studying this, it's clear that it means that it's our determination, our day-to-day knocking that eventually opens the door to the higher worlds. And as we approach the soul, we come under the influence of its higher vibration, and our own vibratory rate starts to speed up. And when the vibratory rate of our mind and brain matches that of the soul, it becomes possible to enter the higher worlds at will. And it's our repeated contact with these higher worlds that will, in the end, produce a new type of human called the soul-aligned human being. And it's then that we become pioneers as we lead the way to the next stage of our human development. We don't change in form. It's just a higher level of perception is established.
0: Which is definitely something that's been happening over the course of the past probably 20 years at a slow Mm -hmm. rate. But I think it's quickening.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do too. What I love about it, as, as what we touched on before, is that we really don't have to go to mediums and, and have a middleman. We can go direct and get the information that we need. One thing that's very interesting about this work is that it's said that our contact with the soul puts us in touch with the universal mind. And I found this really fascinating to um, research, because the uh, esoteric traditions tell us that the soul is the portal or gateway to the higher worlds. When we make contact with the soul, then we have access to the universal or divine mind, which is the storehouse of all wisdom and knowledge. And um, one of my all-time favorite books was called Higher Creativity. It was written by the late Willis Harmon, who was the former president of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And in this book, he looked at the biographies of many artists, writers, composers, scientists, and inventors and discovered that their greatest achievements came about through an intuitive breakthrough and when I started my book, I read that book again. And then I went into the bibliography, and I looked at his original sources and went and checked those books out of the library. And what I discovered is that many of the people we call geniuses talked about their creative process in exactly the way it's explained in the wisdom teachings, that it was through the soul that they had access to this universal flow of information and inspiration. And that was not brought out to the full degree in his book. He had quotes, but I went back and I read the whole text of these interviews and that's when this pattern emerged and it was really exciting and Einstein was one of these people who talked about it very directly as you have said
0: mm-hmm. he,
1: he says that you know the um, the mystical is the source of all all art and science and that there's times when the mind takes a higher plane of knowledge and it's very interesting that when he died researchers dissected his brain trying to figure out the source of his brilliance and you probably thought that was hilarious because uh, yeah, brain, I thought it was Yeah, the brain is just the receiving plate. It's not the generator of the experience. And it makes sense that they would study that because it's the only tangible thing they can study. But I'm sure he thought it was hilarious. There's a whole drama where one of the researchers took part of the brain on a road trip or something. I mean, it was really fun to read about this. But um, that's a good example because he talked about it very directly.
0: But, see, that's what I mean by people need something tangible because I don't think most people are ready to trust themselves to access the subtle realms their higher self akashic records whatever you want to call any of this stuff they don't Mm -hmm. want to do it so they feel they do have to go to a third party because they don't feel they have the ability to do it and this is what made those people who were considered geniuses or visionaries geniuses and visionaries because they could do that and Mm -hmm. and be so creative and bring things forward you know, how do we come up with the technology that we come up with if people are not visionaries? You know, right. and if they're not using this source, they are. They're absolutely doing it. a lot of things are just done on gut instinct. Oh, I think I'll try this. Oh, look, I made that, and all of a sudden it's something that we need. So it, it is very, very interesting. But yeah, I, I had to laugh when I had read an article about how they dissected his brain. I thought, what? What did they think they were going to find in his brain? It's a brain. Every brain looks. It's not like there's a little computer chip in there that you can put in a machine and read everything you know
1: (laughs) know. well they did come up with some theory you know but it's so clear reading you know researching this subject that it's definitely not the brain the brain is just the receiver
0: right and it's it's a store of information for us while we're alive but as soon as we die that information it's like clearing a hard drive it's gone you can't get to it by dissecting it you know yeah but Uh,
1: what i think is so cool about this is that we always think of geniuses as these rare people, you know, that somehow are special, but really it's it's a, it's something we can cultivate. And and if you can imagine, if we if a critical mass of people cultivated this ability to pull information down from the higher planes, then we'd have this fabulous inflow of divine ideas and beauty in the world. Well, I think that's we do the future with- that awaits us.
0: Yes, it's going to get better and better. I think we do that with through technology. There are so many things. If you look from the industrial revolution till now, it hasn't been that long, you know. And you look at what's happened in the past 20 years versus the 80 before that. Oh my gosh. What's happened yeah. in 20 years is inc- is more than what happened in the 80. You know, yeah. it's just it's, things change so quickly. My husband bought a computer the other day. The next day he said, my computer's already obsolete. There's a new one that came out. <laughs> I said, oh, my goodness. Well, you know, trade it in, you know. I mean, he, he hasn't even gotten it yet, but when he ordered it the next day, they came out with a new version the yeah, very yeah. next day. You know, why they wouldn't say, here, try this one, I don't know. But with that, with technology at that speed going along at that rate, I think that people aren't – Most people are not catching up to that. They want to, but they're not catching up to the rate of their own self and the trust in themselves simply because they're dependent upon the the technology. And I think that has a lot to do with why they're not trusting themselves. They depend on other people to do things, and they're just so busy working at themselves. They can't take the time that they need in order to go within and and reach those subtle realms through creative meditation. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, really, it's a choice. It's a choice. And I think a lot of people feel drawn to it. You know, I did. When I discovered this, I just got so excited, and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the next piece. This is the higher piece, and I couldn't wait to dive in. So it just really resonated with me, and I I think there's a lot of people that are waking up and wanting that same kind of connection.
0: Yeah, I believe that that's true. Yes, absolutely. We are speaking with Colleen Morrow, who is the author of Spiritual Telepathy, Ancient Techniques to Access the Wisdom of Your Soul. And Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from, many of which we've discussed on this show, including The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, The Courage to be Free by Guy Finley, A Message of Hope from the Angels, Laura and of course Dr. Bernie Siegel, who has been here numerous times all you have to do is search on his name and you'll see a number of his books on audible.com the best part is you can listen to audiobooks on any device including whatever you're hearing us on right now audiobooks are great for your commute while cooking working out all those times you can listen but cannot read and audible.com offers tens of thousands of titles including bestsellers romances thrillers and much more so you know, every book is read by a professional narrator, including leading Hollywood actors such as Jake Gyllenhaal, Kate Winslet, and Claire Danes. And if you sign up at our URL, which is audibletrial.com slash energyawareness, you get one free audiobook along with a one-month trial of the service. So write that down, audibletrial.com slash energyawareness, to find the books of interest to you. You know, we appreciate all of our listeners, and we're so grateful for your support, and this is a way to give back. You get a month for free, and you can read as many books as you want, so www.audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. Okay, so we're back with Colleen Morrow. You know, there is a lot of research that's being done on this subject, and Mm -hmm. and it is, people are, a lot more people are being drawn to it right now. I think that there is definitely a, a movement, if you will, and... Some of the science that is, is validating the wisdom of the ages is such that people don't, you know, they'll hear something and they might get it wrong. Can you val- can you give us some some science that's validating this wisdom? Can you offer anything?
1: Sure. There's quite a lot of it. And that's another thing that I wanted to do is I decided that because the subject was so esoteric, I wasn't going to put anything in the book that I couldn't validate in some way by saying, look, this is um, universal and a part of all traditions, or science is backing it up. Um, we had the the quantum scientists, the early quantum scientists, who discovered when they investigated matter at the subatomic level that matter wasn't separate and it wasn't solid. In fact, it was um, interactive pieces that seemed to seemed to move from one place to another and that were um, influenced by one another. That everything was connected. And it just totally blew their mind. Some of them started studying Eastern philosophy to try to understand what they had discovered. And that's continued. And and it's very interesting to read some of their theories. And if you took away the names, you'd think you were reading an esoteric book because they've come to the same conclusions. And we have contemporary scientists now like Dean Radin and and, uh, Russell Targ and Rupert Sheldrake who are continuing this work and doing experiments and writing fabulous books about this. So, I really encourage everybody to branch out and study those books too, because it makes this more significant, and it does lend a credibility to a subject that's very esoteric and that you can only really know through your own direct experience the science really helps make it makes it more credible i think to to a wider group
0: I think so too. I think people need that they need to know that it's not just something you know woo woo out there because we've heard that all too often. I get that in my work. You know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's that woo-woo stuff. No, it's not. There's a lot of science behind it. But people, they don't necessarily want to read it themselves, but they want to hear the research and, and validate it that way so that they can, you know, grab onto that instead of taking the time to do all the reading on their own. But the interesting part about your book is that you don't need to do anything other than read the book and mm-hmm. understand what is being said in here because it is theory and practice, so it's a guide to help you to actually do this and you have a chapter in your book entitled become a world server and that Mm -hmm. is a great chapter because we all truly do come in with a purpose and that purpose regardless of how we present it to the world is to be in service to others in some way shape or form it doesn't matter what you're doing you're in service to others so even if someone is thinking you know i'm not in service what i do doesn't count yes you are and if you're feeling that you are not you need to dig a little deeper because it is there You know, you just need to sometimes find it. People, we don't give ourselves enough credit, I think. And it is only then that we are really happy and filled with joy when we are in service. And I loved your quote by the Indian poet, Rabindranath Tagore, who states it so succinctly, I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. And I see more and more people getting that and moving forward in service from their soul. It is profoundly moving. And not to mention, you know, it's also really great for your health because research confirms the benefits are enormous for your health when you do things like that. I've just seen people become more and more service oriented over recent years.
1: Mhm. Is that true from your perspective as well? Absolutely. It's said that um One of the first indications of soul contact is a sense of responsibility and a desire to do service. And the reason is that when we contact the soul, we lose our sense of separateness, and we realize that we're part of the great universal life, the soul of humanity, and we take our place within the greater whole and experience our connection with all of life. So suddenly we move away from that ego, that sort of personal ambition to the service orientation and thinking, what can we do to serve the greater good, to serve the greater whole? And there's really nothing more fulfilling. And one of the things that I wanted to do with the book was to have interviews with people that have had this experience. So in that chapter, I have a lot of stories about people who really found that soul calling and that are doing that and how it felt for them.
0: Yes. And uh, yeah, you do. You do have a lot of stories that talk about that. Which one was your favorite?
1: Oh, gosh! I loved them all. I absolutely love them all i can't I don't know if I have a, f- a favorite I did like um um Jan um story about how she was sick. Do you remember that one? I think I do. She got very, very sick um she didn't know she had problems with surgery. I forget the exact um problem, but she didn't know if she would pull through. She could barely function and um spent most of her time in bed just watching the sun move across the floorboards. Mm-hmm. And um because she knew that she might need feeding tubes for the rest of her life, mm-hmm. she decided that she was going to practice living in the present moment and she was she disciplined herself not to think about the past or the future. And it was a period of deep silence and in that silence she became attuned to the guidance of her soul. And as she started to recover, her ideas about the future started to change. She had been a college teacher, and she discovered that she didn't really want to go back to it. She decided that she would start an interfaith church, the first of its kind in Minneapolis, and this was a huge, huge leap for her. And she said that she was very scared about it because she didn't really want to leave her wonderful job. She was afraid that it could jeopardize her marriage because her husband wasn't interested in alternative spirituality. But she said that she felt like there was a light hand on her back moving her forward. And if she didn't really do what her soul was calling her to do, that her life would no longer feel authentic. So she mm-hmm. just took those steps and it all unfolded. And she said it was one of the most um, incredible, rewarding things that she'd ever done. And she felt like she was, in her own small way, contributing to the greater plan for the evolution of humanity and doing doing that particular project.
0: Yes, and she also said it was one of the most challenging Mm -hmm. things that she had ever done as well. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, people need to know that it's not an easy trek sometimes. I loved the story of Andy Mackey. (laughs) Yeah, that was great, wasn't it? It It was, yeah, because he really, you know, here he was, um, a retired horse trainer living in a small, I think it was in Washington State, and Mm -hmm. he had had a bunch of heart attacks, and I think he had like 10 heart surgeries or I mean, yeah. an incredible amount of heart surgeries and
1: hello 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 Hello, hello.
0: Okay, hello. Is everyone here? Hello? Hello? Can anyone hear me? (laughs) Yes, please return to your seats. We'll be met. (laughs) Okay, can anyone hear me? Hello? Hello. Can anyone hear me? Mm. You can hear. Okay, great. Why can't my why can't my guest hear? <laughs> my chat room can hear. My guest cannot hear. This is unfortunate. Hold on, chat room. I'm going to try something. It's going to be silent for a moment. Thank you. Okay, we're back. Ah, the the chat room could hear us, but. No one else could hear us. No, we're here. Don't don't hang up, chat room.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay, I just had dead air for quite a while.
0: Yeah, me too. And and I thought, okay, I don't know what's going on. I tried to get back in, and I I managed, but then I couldn't hear anything. So sorry about that. Don't have any idea. Although I will say we're having a heck of a storm here, so I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. Um, oh, I'm so, sure. Yeah, where are you located? I'm in New Jersey. I'm in Minneapolis. Okay, so yeah, you're not having the same storm I am (laughs) Thunder, lightning, it's all going crazy I don't know where I left off Except to say that Andy Mackey uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know what else you heard about that But that was incredible to me That he bought so many harmonicas And then the stringed instruments And over 20,000 students trained in harmonica And over 1,000 in stringed instruments And this is what brought him joy And it was because he was fulfilling a purpose Finally in his life that brought him so much joy That he was able to live 12 more years I really believe that that Extended his life for him,
1: so did he. So did he. And you know, I wrote this little thing before he died, and I was really sad that that um, he didn't get to see it. But I thought that was a wonderful, inspiring story.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's what it was for me. It was just so inspiring because Mm -hmm. at at that point in his life, when he had been retired, to then have things turn around like that. It's funny. People will say, "I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing. I don't. I don't have a purpose. I'm just a you know a cog in a wheel. You know, maybe." Maybe you might be a cog in a wheel right now but that's there's a reason for that. You have to stay there sometimes to learn something and then something will come to you later. Maybe the time because I really do believe timing is everything. I really mm-hmm. believe that. Do you believe that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Now, just because we're going to run out of time pretty soon, what is the easiest way for someone to access their soul starting today? So let's say someone has never meditated. They don't know. You know, they're they're kind of afraid to do that. They just say, my mind is all chatter and everything. What for you, what tips do you have to give the listeners so that they could start, uh, you know, a practice now?
1: Well, there's actually 12 meditations in the book, mm-hmm. and um, they can start with any one of those. There's one sort of preliminary step that I'd like to talk about quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's what's called a refinement of our physical, emotional, mental bodies. That's how we quiet ourselves down. And we need to create a direct line of communication between the soul, the mind, and the brain. And to do this, we purify the body, we quiet our minds and emotion. If we are ill or if we have... Um, especially mental and emotional static, it will make it hard for our brains to register higher wisdom and ideas. And I had a really hard time with this, and I really had to work at it. And um, refinement practices really are also part of all traditions. And Mm -hmm. the goals and requirements are always the same, purity of body, control of the emotions, and stability of mind. And when you do that, you start to work from from the, the bottom up. You work on the body, you work on quieting your emotions, and that makes it easier to quiet your mind. And I included the practices that helped me the most because when I started to get quiet or tried to get quiet, the more serious I got, the more I realized that I had a lot of unresolved emotional stuff that kept bubbling up and really making it hard. And so I did these refinement practices. I did meditations on loving kindness, on forgiveness and compassion, and it really helped me forgive people and really just settle myself down. And once I did that... Then I was able to meditate more effectively. So that would be a good place to start. And it's really wonderful to do these meditations, it really does change our lives. Hello? Can anybody hear me?
0: Hello? Okay, I'm here. Is anyone here? I'm here. Okay, yay. This, the storm's really getting bad. I think that must be what it is. I'm so sorry, yeah. Colleen. This does no not problem. happen. Um, I think you're right. Refining is absolutely important, and mm-hmm. that's something that people need to do. I don't know if you continued talking. Because, I did, I, yeah, okay, good. Well, and then I'm being repetitive. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope that they can hear me. I just went through my, you know, the rest of my thoughts about this and really encourage people to try some of these meditations because it really does open your heart. It really does help you for, to forgive, which we really need to settle ourselves down emotionally to be able to access the higher worlds and to be able to train the mind.
0: That is probably one of the biggest things and most difficult things that people have uh, or one of the biggest things people have difficulty with because it's not just about forgiving others but forgiving yourself as well. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that you included in your book on refining your physical, emotional, mental bodies is really important because when there's an awareness, that's when things can start to happen. So being aware and, and the, first, the first thing that's on that chapter is written by Leo Zhu, watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. So, from your thought, you go from your thoughts to your destiny very quickly sometimes, and that is how you create your life. And being able to have all of these meditations in this book so that people can just. I guess the key here is get the book, read it, and then go back and do some of the meditations and continue to do them on a daily basis so that you, too, will be able to foster wonderful things in your life because you're going toward your purpose. You're being given guidance that you were born with, but you lost somewhere along the line as mm-hmm. you were taught academically. I really think that's kind of destroys it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, we get over-reliant on that next higher way of knowing and then we forget. I mean, what, what what happens is that we have these different levels of perception, and when we develop the next higher level, the old level, the old way, doesn't go away. It just slips below the awareness, our conscious awareness. It's still there sort of operating in the background, you know, like computers do. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, you know, it doesn't go away, and it's not, not no longer valuable. It's just not so conscious, but it's still there. And, again, a lot of what we did in the 90s was validating that for people and teaching them how to honor that.
0: Well, and you're doing a great job with it now. By now, even though you don't have the magazine, you have the book. And it's a Mm -hmm. wonderful tool for people to use because it is simple. It is easy to understand. It is succinct. And it doesn't, you know, anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. It doesn't matter if you've ever meditated before or not. This is great. And it's a great gift, too, because the holidays are coming. And, you know, everybody needs to be able to settle down, and refine themselves and, and access their own intuition for a better life. So if you have a friend or a family member that you want you know, to give a better life to, give them the book, Spiritual Telepathy. <laughs> it's, it's a great tool. I need to cut us short simply because the storm is really gearing up. It's right overhead, and I think okay. we're going to get cut off again. So okay. before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book, Spiritual Telepathy?
1: Sure. Uh, they can go to my website, which is spiritualtelepathy.net, not .com, .net, And they can read the introduction to the book, and there's links throughout the website to Amazon, which has the best price.
0: That's great. And everybody, I I really encourage you to go and look look at this, you know, and then just Go and get it, because it really is a terrific book. We need you to spread the word, listeners. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. You know, we live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live, productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that – So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place. Again, Colleen, thank you so much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. I'm so sorry for all the technical difficulties. Mother Nature is not kind today.
1: (laughs) I know that happens. Well, I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRGAwareRadio. That's at NRGAwareRadio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.